This is Halftime with the Playmakers, your midweek partner with the live show, The Playmakers, on WNM 90.5 on Saturdays, 1230 to 2. I am your host, Michael Trim Jr. from the city, beautiful Orlando, Florida, and I'm not here by myself. We got three other guys in here, so introduce yourselves. What's going on, y'all? It's Jalen Scott, the freshman on campus, representing the 813. What's going on, y'all? It's Hafiz. Y'all might know me as country, representing Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And, you know, it's, it is what it is. What's going on, y'all? It's the man from Cashville, Nashville, Tennessee, straight from the 615. It's Austin Casey. Alrighty, how y'all doing today? How y'all doing today? Good, we living doing good, good, living feeling good. Great, feeling great. Alrighty, y'all ready to talk some fam you? Sir. Yeah, we ready to talk some fam. You know it's a beautiful school, so let's talk some. <laughs> Alrighty, on Saturday, you know, fam, you defeated Alabama AM, a SWAC rival, 42 to 28. I just want to know what are your thoughts on this game and what are you expecting on Saturday when we play Lincoln? I will say from this game, coming off of the adrenaline of, of last week's win, the offense did look consistent throughout. There weren't a lot of turnovers. They played pretty clean ball. There were some penalties in the first half. Uh, but the defense wasn't characteristic of them. They took a few punches this game. But I think this game was a good eye-opener going into the postseason. We're going to have to end up playing possibly Alcorn in the SWAC championship. Or we could end up playing uh, North Carolina Central in the Celebration Bowl. But th this type of game, it, it was good for us because it, it allows us to gauge where we are right now. And going into this week, it's just about getting the starters out by the first half, getting the seniors some playing time. I know playing in football is it's obviously a, a big thing for being a part of program all four years. Mm -hmm. Make sure you get your name out on the field and in the stands. So hopefully they'll be able to just roll over Lincoln. So like you said, we're definitely ready for for the SWAC championship. After clinching the SWAC, I believe it was on homecoming we clinched SWAC. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So right now is Alcorn definitely looks like the favorite. Mm -hmm. But it, but right behind them is Southern. But if Alcorn wins out, wins I believe against Texas, Texas Southern, Southern, and they got then, Jackson State after that. No, all they got to do is beat uh, Texas Southern. And they win the West okay. because Grambling lost last week. Right. So since Grambling lost, Alcorn just needs to win this weekend, and it's gonna be an Alcorn versus a FAMU SWAC championship. And you know, it's our first time in the SWAC. Mm -hmm. You know, we made history too. The highest rank since 2019. We we ranked ninth in the nation. Top ten, baby. Top ten. Come on, and we definitely go up to top five after this week all right austin what you think yeah you know i like to think you know last week's game was great uh you know first half we was only went into halftime up three points which you know is a little bit shaky but i like the way the guys responded coming out of halftime and you know winning the second half 18 to 7 kind of running away with the game i feel like that's a big thing you know when faced with adversity and you know maybe Alabama A&M was in the game a little bit longer than we thought they would be, but it was good to see the guys stick with it and go ahead and run away with the game. But we almost forgot though. We was up 17. I was gonna say yeah, yeah I was yeah, 21 unanswered. Yeah. I was gonna say that. I, I was gonna say that. What uh, Jalen said, you know, it was un uncharacteristic. Yeah, giving giving up 21 unanswered points. That's we haven't seen that all season, and then giving up 28 points in total. To Alabama A&M, that was the most since we gave up to uh, University of South Florida in week what two? We yeah, week two. Yeah, yeah. But we haven't even allowed twenty points all seat. Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Was it twenty? I think we gave up twenty one. To, to, um, it was either twenty. It was either twenty or nineteen. Yeah, it was, it was one, one of them. them. But that that was the lowest we ever we ever allowed. Mm -hmm. It might have been it might have been Texas Southern if I'm if I'm mistaken. Going up, we was up seventeen nothing. Like so, I feel as though like once they went up seventeen, you start seeing yeah, coach coach. It was Texas Southern. Okay, yeah. I was right. So once uh, once we went up seventeen. You saw they let off the gas a little bit. You know what? Now we can start resting because mm -hmm. apparently we probably was watching the the Grambling the Grambling game and we was watching the uh, 
we out the Aquan game to see yeah. who who won out of those two. And I don't know what happened. We got we got a little cold feet, but at the halftime, different team came out. But twenty one on the answer is unheard of. We, we like my thing with fam is we can't let up anymore. We can't start the slow starts has to stop. Yeah. The the late starts ha- the uh, early starts and the slow finishes has to stop. It's got to be a like what we did against Prairie View. That was amazing. I, I'm sorry, awesome. it, it was all, it was all, like all everything. Cool. Yeah. yeah, complete game. But we got we got to be able to play like that every game. And Prairie View is not a is not a bottom tier team. They was they was actually supposed to win the Swag West. They was one of the mm-hmm. teams they had favor win the Swag West. Mm-hmm. So for them to uh, for them to come here and we only allowed them to score seven points and they averaged twenty two on the season. That come on now. Now I will give fans the benefit of the doubt. Alabama A&M is no pushover. They are the top leading offense in the SWAC right now. So they put up the points that they were supposed to. The defense came out, um, held them scoreless the third quarter. So I think once we found out how to click on Austin, they, they obviously drew something up in, in the uh, in halftime, made adjustments, and they came out and played FAMU football. Right. Now on to FAMU basketball, oh, men's Lord. and women's. Uh, we opened the season yesterday, both teams. The women's played the Lady uh, the Vols. Vols. Lady Vols, yes. And the men played uh, Crichton. So first, let's touch on the men's basketball team. They lost 105 to 54. Mm. Our leading scorer was Keith Lamar with 16, 16 points. He shot 7 for 17 from the field. Crichton, they showcased that they are levels above us, shooting the three very well. Hitting 18 of their 38 three-pointers on 47% shooting, shot 56% from 56% from the field, out-rebounded us 53 to 21 Jeez. on the game. Yeah, so, oh wait, let tell them how many offensive rebounds they had. Uh, Creighton? Yeah. Uh, they had uh, 17. How many How many total rebounds did we have? 21. Mm. So, yeah, they were very much more physical than us, and they wanted it more. They're obviously a better team. They're ranked number eighth in the country. So my question to you guys is, what are your expectations for the Rattler, the men's Rattlers for this upcoming basketball season? Austin, you can start it off. Yeah, for me, I would just like to say, you know, while last night was absolutely abysmal for the Rattlers, this, is, this was not a game where we looked to come into the game and really, like, look to win mm-hmm. just being realistic you know the Creighton's a top 10 team in the nation last year they they were in the lead eight it was either the lead eight or the final four and they only lost by two points and they brought back everybody from last year's team all their key pieces are back so Creighton is an elite basketball program right now they, they have an elite team the elite eight. yeah it was the elite eight so the Rattlers the the first game of the season it was not really a game where we're looking to win it was more so just about seeing how the guys compete but with that being said the guys did not compete which is what really concerned me you know getting out rebound out hustled out out pretty much out everything mm-hmm. i mean it's not a good sign it, i would have liked to see more fight so i'm gonna be honest i turned the game off after halftime because it looked it so uncompetitive because you saw it was two different levels of basketball being played it was basically jv versus varsity mm-hmm. and we had some flashes where you seen that okay we can be a good team but we can't keep up that level of intensity all game but the rebounding it was like they was getting second chance for at the second chance we couldn't shoot the three we couldn't defend the three we couldn't score on any cylinder on the game besides where besides just like through uh through mistakes on on defense by creighton not only that is it once you out physical a team it, it starts to lead into your confidence mm-hmm. you look you look at the, the the amount of shots that were taken that we shot 14.3 percent from three and that we only shot the three ball about seven, seven times and made one <laughs> yeah that's not um they, creighton's 23. They, they made more attempts they made more they they made more threes than we had attempts. One player on their team had nine by himself. Absolutely. We shot 35% from the field. So let's switch gears to the women's basketball side of things. The women, 
did lose to Tennessee, 93-64. Our leading scorer was Ariana Grizzle with 16 points. She shot 7 for 16 from the field. Second team all swat. Yep. We shot 41.7% from the field in its totality and 47.4% from the three-point line. So our women are showing that they can shoot three better than the men. So, <laughs> oh, I mean, trim. Watch out on campus, bro. <laughs> but Tennessee, they were hanging around this Tennessee game in the first half. I think they were down by like 11. Yeah. yeah. Tennessee shot. 47% as well from the field, but they only shot 27.6% from three. So they had one player shoot five for 10 from three. Everybody else was, you know, pretty lackluster from that. Three for 13. Yeah, from distance. So what are your thoughts on the women and what are your expectations for them? So in the first half, the women was playing very competitive and it was a very close game. First quarter and second quarter. First quarter, I thought we was we was like on the verge of pulling a major upset because we was only down by seven. But it, but you seen that Tennessee was trying to get, trying to fix, figure out their set offensive game. That's why they was trying to put they, they was making up plays to try to get the three ball going. Yep, apparently apparently they see that they struggle with the three. So they kept they was trying to go to the three, but it wasn't there because fam you actually defended the perimeter very good. It was when they got to the inside is where fam you lost it at. Because you saw the lady balls, they was more aggressive on the boards as as we all seen again. Got out fam, we got our rebound. Uh twenty uh I'm sorry. 45 40, to 47. Yeah, 45 to, uh, 47 to 25. Mm-hmm. And the lady balls had 20 offensive rebounds second chance points is what kills team and it kills team morality mm-hmm. you you play good for 30 seconds next thing you know you get another possession and it just keep and it just keeps trickling keep trickling keep trickling and that's how that's how they eventually lost all faith and that was a ball game so in watching these two games i definitely have more faith in the women's basketball team than the men's basketball Absolutely team. agree yeah. And I don't think that's really a hot take because I just think the women, obviously having a fresh face and coach, uh, Bridget Gordon, and I, we didn't mention this early, but this that's where she played college I was going to say this. Yeah. Big shout out to, to, yeah, to Miss Gordon. Big shout out to Coach Gordon. Oh, good. Yeah, I just think they have more fight having the fresh face in there, having, you know, just like a resurgence of energy. So if they play like this against other women's SWAT teams, I definitely see them being a very, you know, formidable team. So I got a question for you. If, if we if we gonna do that right, let's play a game. Let's go to over and under. Mm-hmm. How we was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you got over and under fifteen wins for the girls. Ooh, fifteen's a good number, but I'm gonna say under. Obviously, this is the first year of the retooling and Coach BG taking over. So I'm gonna say under. I think they can definitely hit double digits, but I'm gonna say under because that fifteen wins is that's that's a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Mike. I think that just our non-conference schedule might be a little bit too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously this coach's first year. It's gonna take a couple years, kind of like we seen it with Dion and with Colorado in football. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take a coach. There's gonna be some culture changes from last year. We're not gonna win the what was it five games that they won last year. Uh, we gonna I believe so. Yeah, we're gonna pass that just simply off a of swag play. But our non-conference schedule. I mean, we I've seen teams like Michigan, Houston. Uh, the next one, the next two are at Middle Tennessee, at Florida. I think that again, the culture change is, is going to leave them over the five five win hump they had last year. Now, it's a big jump. Yeah, we, we just don't need to put too, like two high expectations on it. But again, this is collegiate sports. You want to go out and win yeah, any chance you get. So now with the men, I got seven games under. over and under. I mean, that's what we won last year. I think we'll be I think we'll be better like just watching the game. I think we'll be better. But do I think we can win more than seven games? I don't know. I couldn't give an answer right now. Once again, for me, it's about that non conference schedule. That non conference schedule is lethal. So with the non conference schedule, they got they got us winning two games out of non conference. Cool. I think we could get five out of this what? Was that like possibly? Because we actually (laughs) not the (laughs) we ranked tenth out of twelve teams in the swag. Yeah, but the thing about in the men's we can't 
watching Creighton, I mean, I know it's hard to gauge how we are as a unit, but we just, can't watching, rebound. just watching that game, we can't rebound and we, we can't, can't shoot. shoot the three and we can't defend the three. So if you can't shoot the three, you got at least to be able to defend the three. You can't do that either. So I just think we need to, we have to find like what we're good at and harp at it and just be the best at what we're good at. The lack of, the lack of big men that we don't have is what the issue is. And this this is no disrespect to the to the centers and powerfuls we have now, but it showed that y'all on two different levels. Like I said, JV versus varsity. Mm-hmm. It was really a tune-up game for uh for Creighton. And they showed that they just the better they just the better dominant team. Yeah. When I'm looking at FAMU's roster right now, we only got one guy at six ten and one guy at six nine. So we are gonna be a undersized team as far as division one college basketball teams go I'm, i agree with you we're going to need to see our big men who are m- maybe a little undersized they're going to have to show a lot more effort than what they showed against creighton they're going to have to find something else maybe get some guards involved in the rebounding game and, and also just don't be pushovers yeah absolutely what austin said our toss player is 610 he played 20 minutes uh, it was transfer shannon grant he played 20 minutes and he tallied a total of zero rebounds so mm. we're going to need our big transfer to come in you know muscle up down there hustle get the rebounds oh man ran out there for straight cardio yeah absolutely he had six points shot three for 12 so uh yeah we're gonna dangerous uh, we're gonna need him to um you know play a little bit better we're gonna need him to take them shots now and get them rebounds absolutely he was focused on the wrong thing last night definitely but now switching over to college football we all know about michigan and the sign stealing scandal my question to you is what should jim harbaugh's punishment be i mean they already gave him a one game suspension Mm -hmm. so i just feel as though like i mean probably take away probably like some scholarships i was gonna say okay so in my opinion unless there is probable cause because this investigation is still ongoing right now the investigation against the game against ohio state yes that's the game that we're that's in that they're talking about right now Mm -hmm. the game last year if this carries on into the spring cycle when it goes into recruiting Mm -hmm. right they have i was just looking at uh 24 7 earlier they have they have 25 hard commits this year with what almost six of them being four star if this if this goes into the amount of scholarships they can hand out going into next season then you can see probable implications on on head coaching changes, maybe even more sanctions against Jim Harbaugh. But as of right now, back, if that investigation stalls out, I don't see it having a major impact on Michigan. Probably until the following season. Exactly. They, uh, he probably will get another another suspension. Probably won't happen this season because I believe by the time their investigation is over and done with, the season is going to be over. Mm-hmm. So so it's, it's more so they're going to put the sanctions following year. Okay. My thing is I don't understand this. Right with the Arab NIL came in, mm-hmm. why are you still cheating? <laughs> Well, I, I feel like I, I feel like this cheating is it didn't really have to do with recruiting and more so had to do with game planning. But it still has to do with recruiting because every, now that's when, the every for your win, every win that you get goes ties into recruiting. Now I could go and say, how you think Jimbo got? How you think Jimbo got all those players? Why? Because that year they beat Alabama. So he said, you see, we have the talent to beat Alabama already. Now if we add you, we can even beat Alabama for years and years and years to come. So so wins come with uh, with recruiting, like everything that happens in college football comes with recruiting nil recruiting wins tv broadcasting tv uh yeah, what time you have your games on Shoot. yeah i about to say even your stadium comes 
with recruiting. Yeah, I absolutely agree with country because as a recruit, just put yourself in a recruit shoes. You want to know one or two things. How much play time are you going to get? And is this a winning program? So, or are, do we beat our rivals? That too. So it's uh, like country said, there's a punishment coming. And by the time the punishment is, you know, given, it'll be at the end of the season. It'll be after the uh, national championship game. So mm. we'll have to just wait and see for that, you know. But on to NFL. Last week, we seen the Chiefs beat the Miami Dolphins 21 to 7. My question to you guys is, are the Dolphins pretenders? And I'm going to throw it to Austin first. Let me know what you think. Absolutely, they are. Dolphins, you know, they're six and three right now, which is, you know, great by, you know, pretty much any metric. You know, that's about where you want to be through nine games of the season. Mm -hmm. But when you look at those three losses, those are the three real games that they've played so far Mm -hmm. against Buffalo against Philly and against Kansas City last week. Um, and the way that they started the Kansas City game this week, they were down 21 nothing at half, and they really just looked like they didn't even want to come out there and play mm. in Germany. Or And that, that can't be an excuse. I just feel like all three games, it's not even just that they've lost, it's that they've, they've gone out there and they've looked like the second best team out there. They've looked worse, considerably worse than all three of those teams that they've lost to. Haven't put up much of a fight, and so that's what really concerns me about the Dolphins. Okay, Country, what you think? It's, it's like we all missing the, the biggest picture in here here like mike what's it called mike mcdaniels does not know how to do in-game adjustments Mm. so you see when they you see when a team knows how to stop the dolphins offense he doesn't know how to change gears he shuts down he starts trying different things trick plays like with the tyreek hill phone even though that was a not that was not a catch i don't know how they called it a catch but still you you trying a new wrinkle that's not gonna work so once it once everything falls down is feet tyreek feet tyreek that's like your go-to now like you forget that you have a Jaden waddle you forget you have a raheem oster it's like once once they take away the explosion plays you don't know what to do now you don't know how to move the ball methodically down the field which is going to be a problem because you're going to run into the kansas city chiefs buffalo bills you could say that the uh, baltimore ravens of the world and the cincinnati Bengals. so if you don't know how to do in-game adjustments bro they're they're going to be pretenders yeah, all AFC, season that afc is way too it's tough stacked. it's way yeah, too tough yeah i definitely think the dolphins are pretenders i don't think i mean we know last week i said you know the dolphins really needed this game and they dropped the ball on it so in a tough afc what teams like the Bengals, the Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, who's in their division. You need every game counts right now. And if you make the playoffs, you're going to be a first round exit because you're going to play one of them powerhouse teams and they're going to show you why you need an elite quarterback under center. So I definitely think they're pretenders. Because I would say the best team in the AFC is not going to make the Super Bowl this year. Who's the best team in the AFC? It's, it's the Ravens. Oof. They're not going to make the Super Bowl this year. Record-wise, they are, but I... You still want to say Kansas City? I'm, I, I'm yeah, gonna, I, still say I mean, City. honestly, even, even like, because the thing about that's going to come down to it is matchups. Mm-hmm. And I believe certain teams can't match up with another team, even though they might be better than that team on paper, but the matchup is going to be favorable when in the NFC, it's, un, it's only a three-team race. Mm-hmm. But in the AFC, it's going to be a 10-win team that does not make the playoffs. I believe the whole entire AFC North is going to the playoffs this year. The, the AFC North could do that, but they would need the Bills to drop some games. The Bills are already 5-4. and four. They will be last place in the AFC North right now. True, true. And they, that's why I don't even think the Bills are going to make the playoffs. Bills should be 4-5. and five. Mm, Yeah. That part. But when it comes to the AFC and the playoff, like how it's going to unfold, obviously the Chiefs have arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL along with the Baltimore Ravens. So I feel like if the Chiefs get a I think every matchup is favorable to the Chiefs because they have a great defense and you have Patrick Mahomes on offense and Travis Kelsey. So I think anything... As long as they playing, they they have a chance to win the game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. On to the NFC right now. The Eagles and the Cowboys played each other and the Eagles came out victorious 23 to 28 in favor of the Eagles. And my question to you is, are you more confident or less confident in the Cowboys with this loss? And before I toss it to one of y'all, I just want to say this is not a 
Dak issue with the Cowboys. A lot of people want to throw it on Dak, but Dak, he's been playing some of the best football of his career right now. In the game against the Eagles, he threw 29 for 44 on 374 yards, three passing TDs, and he outplayed Jalen Hurts. So I'm gonna oh, you him. forgot the most important part. Zero, Zero interceptions. Zero I was just, I was waiting for Come you to on, say it. So, um, <laughs> Country, you know, you're the Cowboys yeah, guy. Yeah, I was just about to say, Country looking over here. Looking he, he, what you, what you, you been winning? Nah, it, it's more so, I'm not, That's what, that was one of the best games that I've seen that we lost. Cause usually when we lose games, it's like it's some ugly, it's some ugly losses, and just like you, you could say it was Mike McCarthy, it was this, but we lost because of two things, two things. Talk to me, Terrence Steele, and then officiating. Yeah. Officiating was so questionable the whole entire game. It's like the fourth down completion to a schoolmaker, right? Mm -hmm. It was called it. It was called a completion. I got a question for you, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember the dead catch? Yeah. Why? Why? Why did they say it was an incompletion? Football move. And he didn't have what? Possession of the ball. So why when as soon as the ball touched schoolmaker's hand, it's called a completion? That was a crazy call. I I, I agree. Like like let's let let's let's cause here's the thing, right? If he had if he had caught it, right? Like they say, when he caught it, he didn't break the plane, right? Mm -hmm. And he fell down and the ball came out, what would it mean what would it mean called? Incompletion. completion. So why was that a completion at the one inside the one yard line instead instead of a completion when he landed in the end zone? That's a great question. So then you gotta go to you gotta go to the to the call against that kept their drive alive when they said it was a pass interference on Stephon Gilmore. We had three defensive penalties on that series that was very questionable. Okay. That when it came back to us, they didn't call. But all that being said, we still had a chance to win the game. Mis mistakes really like cost us the game. And we was inside the five with 47 seconds left. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna tell you exactly how it went down. False start, which wasn't a false start. I don't even know where they called a false start from, but let's go with that. Back to the 10, back to the 11. Then after that, Dak takes a sack. It, he shouldn't have took the sack. Same thing. It was still. All, it was a rough in the passer because why Jalen Carter dived at his hel helmet mm -hmm. with his with his shoulder pad. Yeah, we're gonna leave that alone. And then you know the delay game pushes all the way back to the 26, and you know it was all she wrote from there. He he missed a couple of throws, but another thing that it showed, Jerry Jones made a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. What was that mistake? Michael Gallup. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's probably why they brought in uh, Martavius Bryant. Yeah, who's been you know MIA for 2018. But yeah, you know, I'm gonna, gonna say I man, that. I forgot that man even existed. That was. I don't even know why we get somebody off the street that ain't played football since 2018. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, for me, I feel like you know the Cowboys showed they showed themselves. But you know, hey, at the end of the day, if that's a couple months later, that's gonna be an L, and that's gonna be the end of the season. Yeah, those are games that when you look back, you look at how the division race ends up. You need that game. Oh, so. Yeah. I mean, while there's some stuff that the Cowboys can take away from that as good, I don't know how you can be more confident in them after that game. <clears throat> to, uh, your, to your point about Dak, though, you can definitely conclude, because when they met earlier this season, all fingers were being pointed at Dak. Oh, as, absolutely. As to what the, reason, the outcome of that game was. But that's the was. easiest finger to point at the quarterback at all times. If you watch the Dak game, uh, the Cowboys game, Dak looked way more smooth. I don't know what the adjustments were made, but he looked he way smoother using his his legs. Yeah. He started using his legs. That's why, that's that's been the biggest knock on Dak all season. He doesn't use his legs. He stands stagnant in the pocket. And when he decides to, okay, the first reason I did, the second reason I did, there mm -hmm. and you try to force it to the third read that's when the mistakes happen that's what so, happened the first game yeah yeah so so now it's like you know what but let me start creating plays what i used to do the old dak prescott the dak prescott that got the 40 million dollars yep and you see he playing he, he's playing hungry but absolutely but when you look at the eagles next five games compared to the cowboys next five games cowboys have a very favorable schedule in their hand we got the giants carolina and i believe 
the Seahawks, and then we played the Eagles. While the Eagles got the Chiefs, the, Chiefs, the, Bills, the Bills, and the 49ers, 49ers then the Cowboys, Cowboys and the Seahawks, and then again. the Seahawks. So that is a gauntlet right that there. That is a gauntlet. While we, while we have, I'm not saying we have a bye week because it's still the NFL, but we have a more favorable schedule to meet them at, I believe, not eight and three or nine and three. While, while they can actually be. Eight and four, maybe nine and three. Because honest truth, I guarantee you only have them favorable in two of those games, and the other one is a toss. In the other, in the other games, is a toss up. I have them favorable in the the game against the Cowboys. I think they'll sweep the Cowboys. I mean, it, they may split, but it, I, would, I, I believe it's gonna be a split just because it, it's a home. Rivalry, it's a division yeah. game, so we can we can say they'll split to the Cowboys. The Cowboys get that game. I think they'll beat the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers. Hopefully by that time, you know Brock Purdy, Debo Sam, everybody's back on track doing what they do best the bills that's a shaky game but i could see them beating the bills the bills because you never know what you get from josh allen he's very turnover prone and the chiefs i think this is another game where we're gonna see the chiefs be the Chiefs. that defense is gonna show out and show up and stop jalen hurts and the philadelphia eagles yeah I, I think the chiefs they love to show up for big games so that's gonna be a good their one defense though. loves to show up for big games but it's like then you get games against the denver broncos where they only score eight points which just makes no sense yeah this is the best defense in the mahomes era so it just makes me more optimistic that patrick mahomes is gonna see this opportunity because everybody wants to win more rings and Super Bowls. So I think he's going to see this as an opportunity that, dang, I have one of the best defenses in my career. So. But you know who nobody's talking about, but I think everybody's starting to talk about them a little bit. The Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they're the they most underrated MIA, team. Yeah. They're 7-2. and two. They're seven, they, they are literally the most quietest at 7-2, but at the same time, that bad man in Cincinnati is coming back, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. People, like, people were, <laughs> we talked about this early in one of the earlier podcasts about if we should panic about Joe Burrow. And I said, absolutely not. We all say no. We all yeah, say yeah. no. Because, no, I mean, he, yeah, he, he was hurt at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And you could really see it, how it was affecting him. He wasn't looking very sure about his throws. He would even talk about it, you know, pretty openly, like, you know, he's just trying to get better every week. You know, he doesn't feel great. But, man, with him him and Jamar Chase, I mean, we saw flashes of it. I think it was week three against Arizona. They connected for, like, four, I think. Mm-hmm. That, that was crazy. Man, when those two guys are dialed in, they also got a plethora of great receivers. You know, Tyler Boyd. Um, T. Higgins. T. Higgins. Joe Mixon out the backfield. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. at Irv. the tight end spot. So, so this, this one thing I want to say about the Cowboys and the NFC, this might be the – this might be the best year that the Cowboys have a chance to make it to the NFC Championship. Okay. If we if we are able to sneak and win the division or vice versa, we we can actually get a game where we don't play the 49ers and the Eagles and, and the Eagles and the 49ers, 49ers play, each play each other. other. Okay. While the rest of the NFC, it like the NFC is really a three-team race. I'm like- I'm not knocking the the uh, Detroit Lions because they still good, mm-hmm. but as it, as it's been shown, they they're not it's very beautiful. It's le- they're yeah, very beautiful. They're very beatable and then you got the seattle seahawks who look like a shell of themselves and who else who else after that nobody really you know worth anything but when you look at the afc you don't know who's coming out that is a very competitive so that leads me that leads me to my next question which team outside out of the kansas city chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that met in the Super Bowl last year, which one of them has the best chance to make it back to the Super Bowl? The Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. Okay. Because if the, because if the 49ers and the Cowboys play again, it's going to be it's going to be one of those two teams playing against the Eagles in the, in the NFC Championship. Yep. So they always will have an easier path regardless of who when I mean, you got Kansas City, who they either going to play Baltimore, they going to either have to play Cincinnati, who they struggle against faithfully. So we can we can all agree that this is not like a talent thing like the Eagles are bad 
better than the Chiefs. It's more of a I think it's that, a three team race in the NFC. And yeah, because because it's like it's like you got race. you got to look at it's a it's, one team has a gauntlet. Yeah, the other yep. team just has a hurdle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I would take my chances going over a hurdle than going over a gauntlet. Yeah, because a gauntlet you don't know what to expect because it's going to be a good team that does not make the playoffs in the AFC. Yeah, couple of them. Couple of them, yeah. There could be, be a couple of teams above 500 that you know we like. Dang, they couldn't make the playoffs. Well, actually, could have made noise too. If we if we if we're really looking at it right now, I think it's I think Houston's going to win in the division. No, I'm sorry, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's going to win in the division right now. Yeah, so. they they six and Watch seven out for two, them six and two, six and two, six and two. So the Titans, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't believe that. <laughs> I will give y'all next year, bro. Will Levis, I think he I think Will Levis is actually pretty yeah, good. Gonna be pretty good. Uh, yeah, but the Titans and the Houston, they not making it. I mean, I'm not gonna say they're not making it. They looking very scarce not to make it. But if it's only gonna be one team out of the AFC, right, South, the AFC South. South. Then when you look at the AFC North and they gone, bro, I got a crazy stat. I got a I got a crazy stat for y'all to know this. Do y'all know if I told you a team is getting out 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 game outscored and point differential? Pittsburgh. But they got a winning record. Would you believe me? Pittsburgh. Yes. Pittsburgh is five and three. Shout out LeBron. Getting outscored by thirty and getting outgained by one fifty. TJ yeah. Watt is single handedly. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna say it's not TJ Watt. No, that defense is. It's so not. I'm trying to tell you. It starts with TJ Watt. No, it does not. It sure. Does. It starts with Mike Tomlin. No. That is the best coach in football. That starts. That I'm is not, the best I'm coach not, in football. I'm not gonna engage in that conversation because I, I don't. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, that's a good conversation to have. But, but I think TJ Watt. TJ Watt. Heart and soul of that football. Bro, their, their defense is bad for all right, and they they got a cancer in their locker room too. George Pickens, yeah, you think so? Yes, he's cancer? doing too much like he, social media and stuff. He like is that. being very pouty because he's not he's not getting the ball. If he doesn't score, he has a, he he throws a temper tantrum. That's why Kenny Pickett hates throwing him the ball. Like if you if you see Kenny Pickett hates looking his way unless it's a play that's designed for George Pickens. If not, he's going to Deontay Johnson. Yep. So we talked about the AFC South a little bit. You know, the Jaguars are leading the division right now at six and two, and the Texans are not too far behind at four and four. So my question to you guys is: Can CJ Stroud lead the Texans to the playoffs? Austin, you can start it off. I think Will Levis can. <laughs> All right, Jalen, you can go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll be for real. I think it's very possible. I mean, last week was showed a lot, a lot, a lot of promise from CJ Stroud and his abilities. But I think personally, I think that there's been way too much just, you know, love for CJ Stroud. Not way too much love for CJ Stroud, but not enough appreciation for his targets. Mm-hmm. Tank Dell is going out there and he's making plays. Mm-hmm. Man, hold on one second. I'm blanking on the other guys. Uh, Nico Collins. Nico, Nico Collins yeah. out there. He's making plays. Those guys are going and out Noah there. Brown, and Noah Brown and Dawn shows too. No, mm-hmm. Noah Brown is someone who always seemingly running free. Those guys are out there making plays for CJ Stroud. And I, it makes him look very good. I'm not going to, no knock to him. CJ Stroud has been nothing short of phenomenal. But I mean, you know, that offense is something special. I don't know about that defense, though. They're not. I will say that's, that's going to be the, the major thing that's going to hinder Houston. It's that defense. But I think Bobby Slonick, he, the head coach for, uh, the, not sorry, the head coach, the offensive coordinator for the Texans, he's building a system around CJ Stroud to allow the players that, that uh, his supporting cast to, to go out and make plays for him like Tank. And I think when you put your younger players in a position to go out there and make plays and, and especially going into next next season, building a, a stronger supporting cast around him, I think that building that cast around CJ Stroud is what's going to help them throughout the rest of the season because like you said the, he's being put in position for to go out there and make plays start have guys make plays for him I, I think he's a talented quarterback but of course he's still young and he, he's still got a lot of development to go in the rest of the season nah for real but CJ Stroud is still out there 14 touchdowns to one interception mm-hmm. like we're not about to knock it like a lot of quarterbacks had talent and they still was sorry like let's be for real like look at let's look at let's look at for instance Atlanta for for, for 
instance. I believe Atlanta got way better talent than Houston do. Uh, Tell me yeah, they yeah, and I think prior to CJ Stroud, you know, stepping foot and showcasing that he's a great quarterback, nobody in this room would have thought, yeah, the Texans they have a great receiving core. Nobody would. No, nah, no, no. You can't tell me you would have thought Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Tank Dale. I mean, oh, I sure. thought Tank Dale was gonna be a sleeper, but I didn't yeah, think he was gonna he, be this good. Yeah. He is bomb. And and Noah Brown as your top three receivers, and your quarterback is gonna be shooting lights out like it's no tomorrow. Right. But this also shows teams need to stop reaching for quarterbacks mm-hmm. i think carolina just ha- hindered themselves about 10 years yeah 10 years and crazy. they no no so, no, no not 10 years but they did hinder them i don't know but you got so you got we're counting bryce young out right now i'm not counting no 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 no. i'm not counting bryce young is a good quarterback mm-hmm. he has nothing to work with that's a, that was and that was my perfect. whole point is that perfect. you're building you built you yeah. building nothing perfect. that move if the carolina panthers are already at number one and they just drafted bryce young and still had their assets that they is, would be fine that would, but since they traded the farm for bryce young now it makes him look bad because he has to play better than what he is and that just puts the the organization in a bad spot and just my, and just look at this though right my my whole thing is like you have a plethora of quarterbacks that was coming in the following draft you had two what you will consider generational quarterbacks in drake may and caleb williams mm-hmm. why would you reach on bryce young so early you all the way at number nine then you give away all your assets you don't have a first round pick until the next three years yeah. how 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 are you helping bryce young out you that means your draft your scouting department y'all better be locked in with them late round picks you might you got to be locked in with the late round picks but i think it's it's something that you know we might be over overreacting about because you know it's a lot of them wide receivers that do slip into the late first round yeah second round third round and you know that's late first round second round third round that's not some place that's too difficult for them to trade into and maybe go get a guy who can go out there and catch passes for bryce young but i think above all that is they need an offensive line they need to protect that guy and, that, and that's what i'm saying we you already want, knew you, he, you need you need you need offensive line that you know for a fact is ready to play when you see a boy from Notre Dame coming through, you know that's who you need to draft, and you're not gonna find no Notre Dame offensive linemen all the time in the foot in the yep. fit in the later rounds because usually the good linemen already gone. You gotta mm-hmm. find a diamond in the rough in the late round, and a lot of teams don't know how to draft good linemen in the late round unless you the Dallas Cowboys, the Baltimore Ravens, or the Kansas City Chiefs. That them them the teams that know how to draft them offensive linemen in the later rounds. But I just feel bad for Bryce Young because it's, it's just not right for an organization to do that to a player straight away. All your assets and say, uh, quarterback wins victory. Here's yeah. here's something that I will say though. This is not a whole lot different from what we saw with Tua down in Miami. First year, turns they, the ball over. But a they lot. didn't reach. But they didn't reach for Tua though. Took him at what five? But that was in a reach. They was at five. They didn't trade. That's true. They didn't That's trade true. away they assets they because tra- what they do the next year? Get Jalen Waddle. That's mm-hmm. true. And the year after that, Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. That's true. Alrighty, uh, on to the NBA now. So the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James on the court, they have an impressive offensive rating of 116.7. But when he's off the court, they drop to 91.2. And defensively, opponents score 107 points per 100 possessions with LeBron. But without him, it's 127.8, resulting in a 46-point differential. Mm. And LeBron right now, in year 21, is putting up 25 points, 8 rebounds, and almost 6 assists per game. That's crazy. So my question to you is, are you guys concerned with the Lakers' recent play without LeBron on the court? 
always. Yeah, I feel like that's been a but case. It's been a outside case. of Miami. Yeah. That's been the case for almost every. That's single everywhere. Team. Yeah. That's... No, e- even even at Miami, it was a concern because it's like when LeBron wasn't on the court, you saw a different team. Like it's always it's. That's what happens when you have a LeBron type of player on the yeah, floor. That's, for you. That's yeah, that's that's what you would say. It's like the whole the whole dynamic of the game very much. It becomes a when different LeBron sport on the court. Yeah. Because it's like LeBron soaks up so much that when he comes off the court, it seems like it, it, to, it's to, an to extra a, defender. It, it almost seem, right it might seem it's when lebron is playing it's like you're playing six on five mm-hmm. when he's off the course like you're playing four on five now because it's like that lack of depth that he's always had since he's been in the nba it always shows mm-hmm. you've never had lebron has never had like a dominant bench besides that one besides the 2011 2012 miami team mm-hmm. when he had mike miller shane yep. battier all of them coming off the bench was it not nah, ray allen was the next year yeah but but still he's never had that deep of a bench like it, it's crazy but we saying here like this man is 40 and he's averaging 40 minutes a game dog <laughs> yeah they man. said they were trying to keep his minutes under i think 30. 28 but yeah. when it comes down to the yeah. end of the game you can see lebron wants to be in he wants the ball he wants to make the plays and he's doing it like the other night against miami you know i think it was like six seconds left they were down by a point lebron's on an iso you know he finds cam reddish open for a three in the corner he misses but that could be a win. Like, mm-hmm. it's just one shot. That's why. I don't think, like, the minutes thing, I was, wasn't concerned about that because when it's game time, LeBron's going to be on the court regardless. Right. Regardless He's of getting it done. He's still putting up. He's Like, I was, I don't know if I was talking to somebody, but LeBron is still a top five player in the game. And I would, Absolutely I would arguably go. He can do what he wants. On certain nights, he looks like the best player in the NBA sometimes. He can do what he wants whenever he wants. That's what I'm saying. So, LeBron. Top may, five is, is not crazy, but it's kind of crazy. It's debatable. But, it's debatable. But I don't. Because you got because Jokic. one game, one game you brought, you would want LeBron over a Jason Tatum in my over opinion a Kevin Durant over a Joel I don't, I don't even have Jason Tatum in the top in my opinion I think that I think that Jokic is the only person in the league that can control a game the way LeBron does Giannis absolutely no, no absolutely it's, it's, only, it's only Nikola Jokic it's only Nikola Jokic Giannis, you, yeah, you take Giannis off the Giannis floor, is dominant the still going yeah. yeah Giannis is dominant but he does not control the game okay Giannis is not going to control I, the tempo could, of the, LeBron controls the tempo he controls every facet of the game oh I see I see what you mean. Him and Jokic have that cerebral approach to the game of basketball that not too many people in the NBA have. LeBron made some comments after the Miami game, and he said if he didn't go to Miami, he'd still be a dominant player. And I want to start this conversation off. I agree with LeBron. Yeah, he said, he also said that he would have less rings. I agree with that as well, but he'd still be LeBron James. He'd still be on the all-time scoring list. He'd be up there. I don't know if he'd probably still be number one because he'd probably still be playing right now. I don't understand what's there to disagree about. We're, We're acting like they're acting like his career started in bro, Miami. Yeah. Bro, LeBron James had four Hall of Fame stints. Like, let's talk about it. The first time in the Cleveland. The first time in Cleveland, that's a Hall of Fame stint. Mm-hmm. Miami. The Miami, that's a Definitely Hall of Fame Miami. stint. Talk to me. Cleveland, that's a Hall of Fame stint. And, Los and, and, and Los Angeles, a Hall. I'm like, bro, it don't matter if he was playing for the Charlotte Bobcats. He was playing for the, the Hornets, the Bobcats. The Bobcats, <laughs> yeah. If he was playing for the New Orleans Pelicans, bro, he still would be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Like, LeBron is automatically GOAT. So, him saying that was, it was just like, bro. It almost went without saying to me. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think a lot of the disagreement came with just the, his development in Miami because he went from being a younger face in, no, in the NBA. No, to, to, to being, uh, no. I'm not saying I, I, disagree, I disagree with you. What, what development? What development? Please tell me. The I fact think, that he won a ring, that's the development? I think that overall he looked better on defense that uh, that was bound whoa, to come whoa 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 
he was a first team defensive player when he was in Cleveland. That's a that's a fact. You tell me he didn't look better on defense on Miami I'm than he was at Cleveland, he, though. He did I, because he was he in didn't, ma- for an all defense. I mean, fact, a defensive player of the world. Matter of fact, he didn't really even have to play defense like that in Miami. Why? Because you already had D Wade and Chris Bosh. His stats so, probably look better. So he, no, it did not. Like his stats look better outside of Miami. Miami, he had to take a step back because it was like you had two other All Star NBA caliber players in D Wade and Chris Bosh that you could defer to it's like it was going to say it's like I, I feel as though it's like lebron does something that i really don't like he wants attention when when he doesn't need it and it's very annoying because it's like bro we know you was like what was you what was your point of even saying that? no but somebody asked him the question oh somebody yeah apologize. somebody yeah somebody asked <laughs> my question i apologize for that you i apologize for my outburst but that that's it to wrap up the show guys how everybody how y'all think it went it went pretty good yeah for context we are all the new guys on the bus Yes. Right, right, you know right. the rookies. rookies thank you guys all for listening to Halftime with the Playmakers on 90.5 I am your host Michael Trump Jr. I'm Jalen Scott I'm Hafiz Long Austin Kaysen and I'm out Halftime with the Playmakers is produced in the studios of WNM FM 90.5 in the School of Journalism and Graphic Communication at Florida A&M University